Here at Doxedo Bloom, we're excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope you enjoy today's message. If you've decided to join us today for the very first time, you've picked a great Sunday to do so. Today we're kicking off with a brand new series called Parables, where we're looking at Jesus, the master teacher who taught through these jam-packed stories that we call parables. Most of his teachings were in this form, and it's really not something brand new. Uh, lots of teachers have used stories to teach their students um, about some abstract truths, whether it's about morality or religion or philosophy. But in Jesus' case, he never used parables to teach abstract truths. No, instead, he made use of these parables to reveal the truth about God's kingdom, kind of his little message and what he came to do, his mission here on this planet. So what he would do is he would use these parables to introduce the surprise of God's kingdom. Secondly, to explain the working, the upside down working of this new kingdom that God is doing. And then lastly, he would also invite people through these stories to make a decision to decide whether they are in, whether they are going to join God's new kingdom or not. So today, as we're going to be journeying through these parables and for the rest of this series, I'd like to invite you to open up yourself and to get to hear and to see what Jesus has to say about the kingdom. Because basically, he used parables to talk about himself and his mission, which is to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the one thing that's really strange about these stories is that Jesus, um, in a way, used these stories in a very interesting cloaking method. So his disciples would listen to these stories and crowds would follow him and come and listen to these stories. And they'd find themselves many times confused, even more confused than before. And it's really strange thinking that everybody's talking about this brand new teacher, great teacher that has so much to say, yet so many people struggle to understand what's going on. And you might find that as well in our journey together. And uh, I'd like to invite you to do exactly what his disciples did. They actually went to Jesus and asked him, Jesus, what's going on with the parables? What's the story behind it? Kind of pondering, allowing it to wrestle with your mind and your thoughts and work in you. And then Jesus gave them this shocking answer after they've wrestled with it. We read about it in Mark chapter 4, and I'd like to show you quickly what he does. Is he says, he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. They may be ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might just turn and be forgiven. And what Jesus is doing in this, you heard it actually correct, is he's saying he's sharing parables to conceal truths to outsiders, those that would oppose his kingdom, that doesn't want to open up their hearts and be open-minded to what Jesus has to teach and taught about. But for those who are open-minded, the secrets of God's kingdom 
will be revealed. Now, these words of Jesus comes out of the parable, a very famous one called the parable of the sower. And we're going to dive into this parable today a little bit deeper. And this is kind of like the parable of all parables. This is the parable that explains how parables work and people are to engage with these parables, how we respond to these stories of Jesus. And the story of the parable of the sower is basically a parable and a story that centers around three main objects. The first one is the sower, then his seed, and then lastly, his soil. And we're going to journey around these three things. And what Jesus is doing in this story as well is he's making two truth statements. He's making two statements about the nature of God's kingdom. And then finally, he leaves you and me, his audience, with that one big question that we're all confronted with. So let's dive in and see what the story has to say. Story starts off with a sower, a farmer going out to sow some seed. And he takes this seed and he sows it on all different kinds of ground. Some of the seed falls on the road. Other seed falls between rocky grounds. Other seed lies between ground that's filled with thorns and thistles. And it kind of like chokes the life out of the seed. And then finally, some of this good seed falls into good ground. Now, at first glance, when you read the story and you see Jesus introducing the sower, I don't know about you, but the first impression I got, and I believe many people got in his original audience, is that, what weird farmer is this? How, how is it that this farmer would waste good seed on bad soil? It just doesn't make sense. However, if you would allow this story to take you in a little bit further and realize that Jesus is busy revealing something of the heart of the king of this kingdom, that he has a capacity and a gift and an abundance of that gift. And he's making an effort to sow the goodness of what he has to give to this world. He's going out lavishly. He's actually in a sense reckless and relentless in his love. That's this kind of farmer. He doesn't have a scarcity mentality. In fact, the original audience, I believe, would have been absolutely stunned when they go one level deeper and realize, just like many people today think, my job is to seek and look after God, kind of find him, work my way to get to him. But in this story, Jesus says, no, no, no. There is something about God's effort. You don't have to seek after him. He is actually after you. And he's willing to pay a big price to get to you and to me. So that's the first statement Jesus makes, this abundant heart of the farmer. The second statement he makes is revolving around the quality of this seed. There's something very special. Now, on surface level, we don't really get it at first glance. But two parables later in the same chapter, Jesus talks about it. And he kind of reveals it straight open. And I quickly want to read it with you. Check this out. So in Matthew, chapter, Mark chapter 4, he says, Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, he's talking about a farmer that went out to go and sow seed. The seed sprouts and grows though he does not know how. Jesus is saying there is a mystery to this gift 
that God is giving, this new kingdom, this word, this new news that he's bringing, that Jesus is busy sharing, there is something mysterious about it and that, and that it, is, it carries the potential of life within itself. It's not something that needs to be nurtured or in a way that we can conjure up. In a sense, actually, it's so interesting to see that the farmer is actually asleep. He doesn't even need to be awake, but still the seed grows. There's something mysterious and magical happening. There is life in what God has to give. Now, what's really interesting about this life that God gives is the fact that Seed has a key. There's a key in this seed and in this story. And it goes like this. Here's it. Here it is. If you catch this today, I think you catch a lot. And it's that seed is never meant just to grow. The goal of seed is not to grow. Instead, the goal of every seed is to bear fruit to bring forth a harvest, to add meaning, to have a contribution in life. And I think that's something we all can actually relate with. The reality is we all dream about having lives that can make a difference, that can contribute, that, that bears fruit, that has meaning. And Jesus says the kingdom of God can offer that, what God has to offer, his gift this free gift, this seed that he so lavishly pours out actually has the potential to bear fruit, to bring forth a harvest in every single life. Make every life matter. Make your life. Give it meaning. That's the potential that's within this seed. That's the second statement of God's gift in this story. But then Jesus takes an interesting turn. And what he does next confronts everyone that's listening to his story. You see, he goes on to describe four kinds of soil. And in the first three soil types that he describes, he points out that there is something that corrupted the soil, something that has changed it, and in a sense now becomes a barrier for this seed to grow out its full potential, to fully end up where God has intended it to be. It keeps it from bearing fruit, from producing a harvest, from having a life of meaning. So as Jesus confronts his audience, he's asking all of us a question. You and me and everybody listening to his story. He's asking us, what kind of soil are you? What is it? What barriers are in the way of the gift that God has for you and me as he so lavishly sows out and gives the seed? Now, let's dive in and look at the three different types. The first type that we see is here in Mark. Let's read it. Jesus says, Some people are like seed along the path, where the word is sown, and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and he takes it away. The word that was sown in them basically doesn't grow. Jesus likens the first group of people to a road. Now, a road is a soil that's really compact. It's hard. It's crusted. There is no way to get into it. And Jesus says, there are people like this whose hearts are hard. They're closed. 
And the moment the seed lands on that ground, the moment they hear the good news, the moment they hear about God's kingdom, Satan comes and snatches it away. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read about Satan, kind of things get crazy and you wonder what's happening here. But here's the thing. The word Satan is actually not a word used to to name the enemy, but it's actually a word used in Hebrew, pronounced Satan, to to describe a a characteristic, an attribute of the enemy. The word Satan means the opposer, the one that opposes. And Jesus says there are people that hears the word, this good news of God's kingdom coming, and this wonderful gift that that God is just busy giving the whole time, this farmer, this generous farmer. And then when they hear it, they're opposed to it. Their hearts are closed. It's hard and nothing gets in. I don't know about you. Maybe you're there today. Maybe that's you. Maybe there is some stuff that God has been knocking on your door about, on the door of your heart about, even in this pandemic, challenging you, saying, I want to get in. There's something that I want to give you. And you know you've hardened your heart. You've closed your heart to this wonderful gift of God. I want to invite you to do as needs what needs to happen with that heart ground, to allow someone to come and break open that ground. Maybe there is something that God wants to come and break open in your life today. Because that hard heart is a barrier to the harvest that God has for you. The second group of soil that Jesus describes is this. He says, other, other seeds, like these seeds, sown on rocky places. So other people are like seeds sown on rocky places. Hear the word and at once receive it with joy. Now, what's interesting about this picture of the receiving with joy, just quickly want to pause there for a moment. At first glance, these guys look like they're absolutely responding and opening up to the good news of the king and the kingdom and of Jesus's this wonderful story and the word of God. They're open to it. But the moment you read about it in terms of seeking joy, and this is what Jesus reveals later on, you see that they are not open to receive it. They're open to abuse it. They want to use this good news, this life, for selfish gain. Let's quickly read on. It says the following. It says, But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Jesus is talking about those guys that's pleasure seekers. They're seeking for the next thrill, the next emotional high. If I can just feel good, my life would have meaning. Then I would enjoy this life. That's what Jesus is busy describing. And he's saying when the gospel comes, all you do is you just channel that little gift to fit and serve your little emotional trip that you want to go on or even spiritual experience. And you're going from the next thrill to the next thrill to the next thrill. And it's such a shallow experience. It's like seed falling between rocky grounds and the roots just never gets an opportunity to be grounded in you. Cannot find a space in you because you're using it for selfish gain. And Jesus is saying, 
And this is what I want to put to you. Maybe you're there today. He's talking to us in this story. And he's asking if that is you, if maybe today is the day that you need to allow a community around you to ground you in Jesus, to ground you in his truth, that there is a solid foundation in which this good news can find roots and grow. The third soil that he describes, he says the following, he says, still there are other people like seeds sown among the thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of other things come in and they choke the word. They literally choke, making it unfruitful. They take all of the potential that God has placed in this seed out of you. Now, these are the kind of people that, like, they are driven by their will. They will-driven people. Like, I'm going to make this thing happen. Come hell or high water, I'm going to make it happen. I know the way out. I'm going to make use of willpower. And Jesus says, if you're going to take my gift, and you kind of think you can outwork it, you can do better, it's your willpower, you're not just going to surrender to the power that's within it already, that life, that seed that can grow by itself. There is something in this world that overcomes our willpower. Our willpower is limited. And it's our fears that threatens it. And also the comforts, the deceitful comforts of this life that threatens and crushes our willpower. Ultimately, maybe getting us to that point of successes or that moment when we feel we're now really good, but it ultimately leaves us empty-handed without any harvest. And then finally, Jesus opens up and he shares the story, the last piece of soil. He says, other people are like seeds sown on good soil. They hear the word and they immediately accept it. And then they produce a crop. Their life contributes. Their life has meaning. Some of the crop, 60-fold, some 30-fold, bountiful crop. Jesus gives hope. He says there is good soil. Now, maybe for you today, you are dreaming about this good soil. And you're thinking, Lorraine, well, you know what? I have been stuck in one of these three types of soil that Jesus has described. My heart is either closed or it's just seeking after the next spiritual experience. Or maybe you're in a place like, like Paul was. And I really love, I think Paul was actually pointing to this story when he said, there is this thorn in my flesh that I want you to take away. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. Because in this story, there is only one character that can change the destiny of the soil. And it's the farmer. You see, it's only the farmer that can come and break open that hard ground. It's only the farmer that can remove the rocks that's keeping the seed from shooting a root. And it's only the farmer that can take away the thorns that crushes the potential of that seed. The soil cannot do that. The only job that the soil has is to surrender itself 
to what the farmer wants to do. So today I want to pose this question to you. Why not surrender to God's amazing gift and His work that He wants to come and do in your life? The reality is the farmer did come. He did put his hands, get it dirty into that soil so that you and I may bear fruit and have life of significance. If that's you, I would like to pray with you. So let's close our eyes. Father, thank you for the grace that we can receive through Jesus. Thank you that you are the only one that can break the ground, that can remove the rocks, that can take away the thorns. Your grace is sufficient. You are the only one that can turn poisoned soil into good soil so that that gift, the seed that you are sowing, may bring an abundant harvest. In Jesus' name, I want to pray for everyone that has their hearts open for you today and saying, Father, come and do a work in me. I surrender to your ways. I pray that your spirit would be over them. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.